So, Alyssa, where are we? We're at our first repeat location. Yeah. Um, and I believe we originally described this something like the cutest little Shirley Temple-inspired theater outside of Louisville. That sounds like that. very familiar. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we here? Um, we are back here because it's one of our favorite spots. Mm-hmm. And... We've both done a lot of work here, and since we're talking about playwriting, we have written a few things that have been performed in this space. One of the first things that we wrote was performed in this space yeah, the a couple first, years ago. The first thing we wrote together. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. Yes. It's like, is that right? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I feel like... I don't remember who came up with the title, so I feel like you should just tell the me title? what it's called. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, uh, did we actually wind up with superheroes of the galaxy? Yeah, yeah we didn't come <laughs> up with that title. Actually, we were handed that title. Yeah, that was not our choice because I think that's it really true. doesn't even make sense. But we decided to make it make sense. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we should have. Everything was a theater pun, so why we yes. didn't use a theater pun for the title is I don't beyond know. me. I think we wound up with the last time it was performed, because it's been performed twice now, mm-hmm. we wound up just calling it that the Galaxy was the Galaxy Theater, uh, and so that made it make a little more sense. The superheroes of the Galaxy Theater. That makes a lot of sense. is, like, cute, but also a really long title for a kid's play. It's like, who's going to remember that? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Sorry, I was just in my head trying to see if it made, like, a cool uh, acronym, like acronym yeah. but it doesn't. It's, like, Satku. Mm. <laughs> That's to, good. No, it's not great. No. We could do better. It just needs to be retitled yeah. at this point. I mean, it's not like it's been published, so <laughs> we, we can call we it can, something stupid like We can work. retitle it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Superheroes of the Galaxy, parentheses theater, <laughs> um, is... Well, I, we were low-key commissioned to write it, yes. I guess, yes. is the way to describe we that. We were voluntold. Voluntold? <laughs> That's a much better word. Um, and it's for, it's a play for, like, itty-bitties. Yes. Never, who have done theater before. Um, and it's to, like, teach them the good things about theater and the ways that, yeah. you know, you can maybe not be a good team player in theater. Right. How to work together better in a theater environment. Yes. And yeah. I was not, I don't, I think maybe I was out of town or something when it got performed here, but I didn't see it. And so I really haven't looked at it since 24, no, that doesn't make sense, 2015 or 16 when we initially yeah, wrote it. Right. So that's five or six years ago. Yeah. Um, well, I missed the first performance. I didn't get to see it the first time it was performed. Oh. Yeah. I did see it the first time. It was standing room only. It was beautiful. Adam and I went, my brother, um, and we <laughs> watched it from the sidelines. And I don't know exactly why, but we ended up watching it, like, from the literal side of the stage, like, there was not room to stand behind where all the other parents were standing. Right. So, 
we were very, like, close to the stage and not at all, like, in a wing, hidden, watching it, just, like, out there. Yeah. (laughs) You could see, like, the backstage and the front of, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I had to keep, like, a really good, like, supportive smile the whole time Uh and not laugh too hard at my own jokes, which was difficult. Yep. Understandable. (laughs) Um, No, but it's really cute. Essentially, it's... I'm going to try to describe it, and then you just need to fix me, because I have, again... <laughs> it has been a while. It's been five years. Yeah. I'm thinking now, because we wrote it a lot in my first apartment, so that would have been 2015. Oh, yeah. 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 That's true. So, um, a group of theater makers... Yes. ...is left um, to their own devices by their leader. <laughs> yes. To come up with a show, like, put their show together. Right. They're they're in the middle of putting a show together, and their leader leaves during, like, the last few rehearsals. Okay. Yes. And I believe the leader's Captain Creativity. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. This is beautiful. <laughs> okay. Um, and the bad guys, like, Sir Stompsalot. Yes. My favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... Poison Envy. Poison Envy, that's beautiful. Yes, yes. Um, They, you know, sow the seeds of disarray Mm -hmm. in the group. And the good guys like teamwork. Uh, There's, uh, like, Captain Timing or something. Mm -hmm. Like, all the parts, so, like... um, I don't even remember all the, the positive ones' names, but it's it's like the positive characteristics that you want to counteract stuff like envy and all that yeah. other stuff. Um, like save the day, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, yep. And then Captain Creativity comes back and is like, it was my plan all along to get you to work together <laughs> for good or whatever. I'm so proud of you. You mm-hmm. pulled it off. So like, oh, spoiler, the good guys win. <laughs> yeah, shocker for a kid's play. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't remember a lot of what the actual piece is like, yeah. other than, like, Sir Stompslot always cuts people off, because uh-huh. uh, we thought that was a really funny joke. Yep. Um, the head bad guy was uh, Baron Von Budget, I believe, is what we Baron had. Von yeah, because it was like it, it felt like everything at that time was like money, and it was oh, more yeah. money stuff, and all everything that bad that was happening at the theater we were working at at the time was like, well, we don't have the money. It's like oh, yeah. uh, everything is awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Baron Von Budget. <laughs> Why we use Baron as the title for Listen, children's play? Listen, captains, okay? <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. Um, but I do remember the process of writing it, and it's kind of the same way that we have continued to write things together ever since, which is essentially that um, I come up with things that I think are going to work really well that have, I don't, I don't know where they're going to go. <laughs> um, I know who's going to say them generally, and like a rough, It'll maybe be, like, two to three pages of something. And then I'm like, Shannon, I did it. I wrote a play. (laughs) (laughs) And it'll be, like, however many pages. Like, this was probably 20 pages total for our script. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 20 to 30. Maybe 30, yeah. And so maybe I wrote 
10 pages total, right. but they don't go together. <laughs> and I'm They're like, each individual moments. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, Shannon and I wrote a play, and she's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but you're really good at, like, looking at those things and figuring out how they should fall in the script and then making a story around them right, around that the- is actual playwriting and not just random <laughs> things so that are going to work for our theme, right. which is kind of how I start. Um, but I I don't know, I feel like that's that partnership has worked well in the past. No, it really does work because it's very hard to start any kind of story without like the linchpin moment or like mm-hmm. the really like, oh, I can see this. So how can we work that in and work around that? If, if you don't have something that really sparks the story, yeah. you have nowhere to start. And I think we've talked about this before, but when we were talking about like producing our own show, even more so with playwriting, I think you have to be really willing to kill the baby. And what's nice about this process is that I come up with all these little tiny children and Shannon's like, this one doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) And even though that sucks, like, I know she's right because she's the one doing the jigsaw. And so because you're not as attached to the individual pieces, you have a much better editing eye to be like, this is funny and you did a good job, but it's not going to (laughs) fit. We'll keep it for next time. Uh We have like a little set of, oh, this was a cool idea, but we haven't figured out how to use it yet. Yeah. And I mean, in a lot of ways, that's how we're doing this podcast. That's very true. (laughs) Like little moments we couldn't fit anywhere else. (laughs) Yeah. And Shannon is editing it. And literally every time we leave, I'm like, I don't care. I won't be upset. I like cut whatever you want of me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I think that's just because like I've come to trust that like you're not going to cut stuff that I love just because you don't like it. Yeah. Um, Even though I'm sure like there have been times where you're like, why would you write this? <laughs> are, you, are you sure about that? Okay, all right, we'll believe it. I mean, you can always tell. I mean, that's, I think, a theme of a good team when you can tell when a person is really attached to it. It's like, okay, yeah. this moment really matters to you, so we're going to figure out how to put it in there, mm-hmm. even if I think that line about a sort of vodka joke is kind of weird. It's kind of <laughs> silly, but if, if we can make it, we can make yeah, it work. Look... <laughs> Was I maybe drinking vodka while we were writing that joke? Hard to say. Was I 21? Definitely. (laughs) But, yeah, I think I just had this in my head that, like, Pixar, Disney, DreamWorks, they always do these, like, children's things that have these, like, hidden jokes for adults. Yeah. So I just had in my head that we would do that, but it was really not the target audience for that kind of a joke. Right. The place that Valen told us to write it. Sure. But I think maybe more so for when you guys did it over the summer here, that audience is probably a little bit better for it. Yeah, and we had we tried it with uh, older students. Mm-hmm. So the first time it was, like, middle elementary and the second time we did it it was middle schoolers which was it was it was very different for them obviously because a lot of them knew these concepts but they got to kind of 
dive into the silliness of the characters more than mm. actually learning the oh yes of course we want to work together like it wasn't it wasn't just the simple baby step stuff it was like all right well this is kind of a weird character what can i do with it yeah. when they're not speaking which is a lot harder to do with elementary schools it is <laughs> elementary school when they're all 8 yeah or 6 i think the and we weren't directing it that first time. So mm-hmm. it really was the first time that we wrote something and then we handed it to someone and yeah. we're like, would you please take care of this? Right. Please don't break it. Yeah, we worked really we, hard. We worked really hard. <laughs> um, but I do think when you're working with that young of a group, it's a feat in and of itself to have them to remember their lines, standing in the right place, and acting on the line. Yeah. Which, like, I have high schoolers that I work with all the time and full-grown adults who act before or after the line and forget (laughs) to act on the line. Right. (laughs) So. Put them together. Yeah. So, like, why wouldn't you make that face when you were talking? (laughs) Um, It's fine. But, like... If you can pull all of those things out of little kids, it's okay if they're waving at their mom when they're not speaking or, right. like, have their hands in their pockets and are kind of swaying back and forth. <laughs> yeah, that's stuff that can be retrained later. Yes. But you're just trying to introduce them to the idea of this is supposed to be fun. Mm-hmm. Also hard work, but fun. Yeah. I had never really written anything before that point. You had written stuff. Um, yeah, we talked about, I had that creative writing class, so I'd written mm-hmm. a few short things and um, some scenes and stuff. And at that point, I think I was in or I'd finished my first creative writing class um, at college. So, um, yeah, I'd written a few. I really hadn't written anything that was like, a full story beginning to end, though. That's okay. probably the longest complete story. Yeah, I had written, like, poems. Mm-hmm. I took a creative writing class where a huge, um, what's the word? Section of the class mm-hmm. was poetry, which is fine. I'm not mad at poems. You helped me write or edit a lot of oh, my yeah, poems for did. that class. Yeah, I um, thank you. <laughs> I got an A in that class, in nice. case you were wondering. Um, and then it culminated in a short story project. So I'd written a short story. Um, but as far as, like, yeah, something, well, my short story was written in first-person narration. Hmm. So I had definitely not dealt with, like, multiple voices before. Yeah. Um, and... I had not written a lot of, like, any scenes or anything like that as far as, like, writing for the world of theater. Yeah. Hadn't done anything. Um, that would have been after my play, my first directing project here, where I, in air quotes, adapted a piece for the stage right. from a movie. But... That was more about, um, I mean, the script already existed. Right. So I literally just changed some elements that weren't going to work 
mm-hmm. um, and reordered two scenes because I only wanted to switch the stage one time. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've both done the adapting work, which yeah. is very hard when you're working with somebody else's stuff mm-hmm. and you don't want to screw it up and you want to do it justice. Yeah. Um, it's not easier to write your own stuff, but it is a little less pressure. Because it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the only one responsible for my own words, <laughs> which is kind of nice. Very true. <laughs> um, and also, like, when you're writing something on your own, no one comes into it with an expectation of what the work is going to be. Mm. So when you say that you're producing a play based off of something super well-known, um, which we have both done, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, I don't know, everyone's coming into it prejudging you. Yeah. It's like doing anything Disney. Like, it's mm. just, if you don't, if it doesn't look like the person expects, that can literally turn them off to the whole show and to anything that's really good about it because, oh, you didn't get the dress just right. Yeah, I mean... Disney is, like, so detailed mm-hmm. and, like, specific. So if you don't have that kind of budget, money, manpower, whatever, like, it's not going to look as detailed and specific as people have in their heads. Yeah. And then it's, it's like... You, I, I, I'm trying to picture, like, a way to do, like, a really pared-down Disney anything, and it's almost impossible. I don't think I've ever seen it tried, because <laughs> no. that would just take away kind of the... It's almost like a glam thing. It's like mm-hmm. you have to have the sparkles and all that stuff to make it legitimate. And not well, that that's bad, but if you don't have the money, then it's it's almost impossible to, to do it the way that people are going to anticipate that it should be done. Yeah, I mean, the stories are about the magic. Mm-hmm. And and there's some, they're very visual stories because they're for kids. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not saying that any of those stories are bad, but they're kind of simplistic. They're children's stories that rely a lot on visual cues. So when you transfer them to the stage and you can't recreate those visual cues perfectly, you know, you're in a little bit of a bind. Yeah. Especially because, like, so-and-so's mom's favorite Disney princess is Belle. (laughs) And she knows that the sleeves are this kind of poofy it's like I don't know how to help you lady (laughs) yeah but I think a lot of people get into this world through adapting because it does feel a little bit less daunting right yeah you've got something a story to work with do you think that that's I don't know which one do you think is harder for your, for you personally. I've only I've only done the adapting thing once, um, and twice. Twice. Who's the other one I did? Shahrazad. Oh, I guess that kind of counts. Yeah. Okay. Um, we took well, and I 
I was more of an I, I was more of the idea man on that one than I had. Yeah, my my mom did. Isn't the, it so uh, much more fun? It, it is a lot more fun. Uh, it's like okay, what about this fun thing we could do? Can, uh-huh. we, can we fit that in? Can, can that fit in, please? Um, yeah. So that yeah, I guess that counts. We it was um, it's a set of short stories, the Thousand and One Nights. There's a ton of different versions of the stories, and um, we just picked kind of the three most fun ones that we could find that we thought kids would actually appreciate and not think were just weird or gross. And yeah. most that didn't involve, like, any kind of romance because we had, I think, two boys in the cast that time. I think oh, we lucked boy. out, and there were two, maybe. I don't remember. Well, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but isn't this Scheherazade story um, that she saves herself from being killed by the sultan by, yeah, like, telling a, him a different... Yeah, adapt is, a, okay. is, a, is a, um, probably the wrong <laughs> word for completely butchered and recreated. Um, <laughs> yeah, you didn't tell that part of the story. <laughs> no, no, that got left out with a bunch of nine-year-olds. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why we left that particular part out. I don't know that I even explained that to the kids. I think I just was like, yeah, we got this cool name for this character. <laughs> Um, oh, that's yeah. funny. Just a little different. Um, that one was, yeah, again, I don't even know that I count that as an adaptation. We took an, a concept and recreated a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that was very fun. Inspired by. Exactly. Yeah. So we produced basically three things while uncertainty was happening mm-hmm. the last time. And um, the third thing we did was... I would argue possibly the hardest, just because it was so weird. I would Because agree. we were in so many different spaces. Like, the first one was just so chill, mm-hmm. and it was really, like, once we got over all of the, the initial hoops, which were awful, um, <laughs> and then we just got into the regular, like, show, it was really easy. And then the second one, we had a script, and we just, that made it a little simpler. Thank you, Shakespeare. And, right? Um, thanks for public domain. Um, mm-hmm. And then the next one, we were like, okay, we need something else. And we had barely gotten started writing it when we decided to, like, this is, no, this is what we're doing. So yeah. we had to write the script, figure out how and where to cast the thing, mm-hmm. and how and where to rehearse the thing, mm-hmm. and then how and where to perform the thing. Yes. All very quickly. So that one was a little bit insane. Um, I don't know how it ended up working, per se, but definitely, like, the first one, hoops on fire Mm -hmm. in the beginning. Yes. But once we got through them, it was fine, and we were with friends. Yeah, yeah. Which helped a lot. It was a very safe space. Right. (laughs) Um, and then script... Once we rehearsed in the same place always, and so then once we found a performance space, that was the only real hurdle to jump mm-hmm. through. And we always had a backup performance space. Right. So it wasn't even, like, that scary. Yeah. <laughs> we just didn't want to do it there. Um, and when I say we, I mean me. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was you. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. And um, you're, you're right. It wound up working better where we were. You I was, were totally right. I was, but sometimes I just get a little singularly focused and I can't let it go right like no I need this to happen yeah yeah. Yeah. and I mean I'm sure that someone could have snapped me out of it if it had gotten to a point where it was like dude yeah this is the this is the option yeah and it didn't really help us that we got exactly one rehearsal in our performance space I don't think that that did us any favors but it still happened yep the words came out it was honestly for what it was uh, still pretty solid thank you um, 
Yeah, but then that third one was just like, we had an idea. We were pretty sure we could execute, but we gave ourselves zero time Mm -hmm. because we worked two shows back-to-back, essentially. And then we were like, okay, now we're going to do the third thing that Mm -hmm. we decided we were going to do ages ago that we haven't thought about since then. Yeah. And it was like, hey, idiots. <laughs> you, you need to write it, first you of all. You said you were going to write it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to just, like, remember what life was like. So, our last semester of college was the same time that we ended up leaving our jobs. Right? That was all May. Oh, yeah, yeah, because this all happened during the summer. Yep. And then we, we did our first show. Yeah. We were involved in our first show in May. It went up the last week in June. Yes. Then we did our next show. It opened in September. Yeah. And then our next show opened in October. Yeah, because we were trying to make it a Halloween thing. And yeah. we had not written it in September when the first show opened. Correct. <clears throat> um, we had a plan concept. But it went even, through many iterations. Even the concept completely changed from yeah. September to October. Yeah. I don't know how we did that. I couldn't do it now. No. I had a job then. I, mm-hmm. like, I didn't go a lot, but I had a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had this job where I... It was so boring. Oh, my gosh, it was so boring. But I could go whenever I wanted, so I set my own hours, and I just had to work, like, um, uh, hit a minimum hours a week. So there would be times when I, like, would just go one day and work, like, an obscene amount of hours <laughs> in that one day because I we had so much stuff going on. Yeah, and classes, so. Yeah, it was, it was a really insane time. Yep. Um... So, what did we end up calling it? Do you remember? I could look it up. A radio... Podcast? I don't know. It was... I'm trying to remember what I put on that silly program I made. Was it just Poe, a radio drama? Maybe. That might have been it. Yeah. That sounds right. I liked that poster you made. It had puppet eyes. Did it really? Uh-huh. I don't remember anything. <laughs> um, it was blue and white and black and red. I remember, the, uh, I remember the, the poster board that I did with the little raven on the top of it. I was very proud it's of beautiful. that. I know. It turned out yes. pretty good. I worked Shannon's very hard crafty. on it. <laughs> um, yeah, I... That's the other thing, too. <laughs> we should probably just mention. We were doing literally everything. Yeah. We made... All of our own, like, promotion materials. We made our own programs. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it was exhausting. Yeah. And then we wrote the stupid script. Yep. Which isn't stupid. It's very cute. It did um, turn out cute. It would have benefited from more time. Yeah. It just, it, we needed more editing time and I think a little bit more help on that. But it was, no, the concept, I stand by, it's, it's cute. Yeah. Um, it's definitely one that we could return to and clean up, I think. But the cast we had uh, was super fun. 
they did a great job. And and they were very, very gracious with us when we were a mess. <laughs> oh, my gosh, we were a mess. Yes. Um, so if you were involved in that show, thank you. Forever grateful. Yes. Wow. Um, we will never do that again to anyone, ever. No. Wow. <laughs> Although, in a lot of ways, it wasn't our fault. I That's mean, so true. In some ways, it was. Yeah. But we... Let's not drag a local institution. No. We it, partnered with a uh, an organization that has multiple sites throughout the city. Yes. And we were able to rehearse at different places at different times. Yeah. We weren't able to rehearse in the same place every time. Right. It was all scheduling stuff, and that yes. was all because we were doing it so short notice. If we'd done mm-hmm. the scheduling, you know, when we should have, right. we could have probably had the same space. Yes. Um, and then the place that we were scheduled to do it forgot about us. Yes. The day of the performance. And somebody, that'd be me, forgot to get the contact information of anyone who could actually do anything about that. Yes. Yeah. And so we were locked out of our performance space yep. the day of. Yep. No, it was just a hot mess. Yeah, it was bad. Um, and like... Yeah, I think, so, again, in any good partnership, you're just, like, there for the stuff that the other person can't be there for. Mm -hmm. And so I am just, like, not as good at, like, the organizing, the sounding nice on the phone, the calling, the, like, figuring the stuff out as Shannon is. So you did, like, most of the scheduling work with the organization that we worked with but then when it fell through and like we were outside with our entire cast and eventually some audience members who were coming Mm -hmm. to see the show and locked out yep like could not deal (laughs) I could not deal I don't believe I've ever before openly wept in front of a 10-year-old. Oh, man. Well, you went off to the corner a little bit. I tried. I tried. nice. And I had to be like, okay, guys. um, (laughs) Same time, same place next week. I think we're just going to, and I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, Which is fine. Like, where I, yeah, like, you just kind of have to step in where the other person can't. And we did it. We did it the same time, the same place, the following weekend. It was fine. It um, was fine. Most unfortunately, one of our cast members fell through, though. She wasn't available that week. Yeah. So Shannon stepped in and played the part, which was great. Um, and also, they were reading off a script, which was helpful to you. Right. That, Even that though does help. Because it turns out just because you write something doesn't mean you have it memorized. Absolutely not. Or Especially when you've rehearsed a total of, what, ten times? Something I like that. I think we had some ridiculously small amount of rehearsals. It was terrifying. Yeah. And we had, at that point, I think our youngest was a seven-year-old in yeah. the cast. Yeah. Who was wonderful and precious, and we love her. Yeah, no, she was great, but at that point, couldn't do the memorizing, and that's totally fair. So We had oh, cue cards for her. We did have cue cards. Because she could read, which was super yeah, helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yep. 
Yeah, no, she was adorable. So, the process was kind of crazy, but the actual writing, I would like to hang out on for a minute because, as we mentioned, it did go through several iterations. Um, It was essentially us taking the work of Edgar Allan Poe and we wanted to adapt it in some way into a radio play. Mm -hmm. Um, So... At first, it had, like, a very serious drama feel to it. Well, yeah, it was supposed to be around Halloween. We wanted to yeah. actually, like, all right, we've done, we did a, a comedy plus a threat. We did a lot of, like, variation in our first one, and mm-hmm. then the second one was a comedy, and we're like, well, maybe we go a little serious this time. Yes. That didn't flow. We're, <laughs> we're not good at writing serious. I'm not good at writing serious. Well, we definitely weren't good at writing serious on a three-week turnaround. No. No. Um... So that was the struggle there. And we we just couldn't, in the serious one, as much as we both, even before we started doing this today, we were like, that was good. We, we could come yeah. back to it. We didn't have an ending. Yeah. And as much as, like, we liked it, we couldn't figure out the ending in the time frame. And it was missing a key element that we wanted to have for this show was which was that we could have little kids and full grown adults in right. the same piece. Yep. So we knew who we were likely to get audition and we wanted to be able to work with as many of them as possible. Mm-hmm. Mostly because we weren't gonna get a whole lot of other people. We knew about the range we were going to get and so we had to write to the people. Yeah. I feel like that's been kind of a theme in a lot of the stuff I've had to work on is if you are working with an organization and you get pretty much the same people that come audition every time, you can't write outside of that group. Unless you know that you can pull somebody or find someone to fill a role you absolutely must have. We didn't have that. And for us, it wasn't necessarily about writing. Um, Oh my gosh, I just had a recovered memory. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's all good. I thought about the French play a while ago and that was weird. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just had this recovered memory where we auditioned people who were in our... Twelfth Night cast, Mm -hmm. like, I handed them papers during Tech Week for the Poe play. Yeah. I was like, read for this part. Well, we had people that were going to be, not. they weren't going to be able to come to auditions. Yes. Yep. And I was like, read for this part, let me know what you think. Yep. And then (laughs) we cast them based off of this, like, not even, like, a full audition. Like, I just handed them the papers and, like during our lunch break or whatever during tech week for 12th night they came to me and read it off the paper and I was like thank you yep yeah <laughs> I forgot about that that was crazy um so weird oof wow what a mess <laughs> um that being said though they were great and I think too it's it's about writing for the group and the tone of the group mm-hmm. while keep, while keeping the individual parts open, which is difficult yeah. when you know the kinds of people that you're going to get audition and, and even more specifically individual people who are going to audition. It's hard to write with an open mind yeah. and not, not start tailoring the voice to who you would like to play the part, yep. which... Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but when you're doing it for 
multiple times for the same organization. You don't want to trap people yeah. into your version of them that's in your head. So it's really hard to write for folks without writing them specifically into your piece. Um, and in ours, we kind of... Well, we had, like, two storylines going on simultaneously. So we were able to keep the voices separate enough, I think. Yeah. Um, Because essentially it's like, how many kids did this couple have? Six? No, it's not that many. We had one, two, three, four. Four? No, it was five. You're right. Five. You're right. It was five. Because the itty bitty. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, this couple with five kids who they think their parents are getting a divorce. Yes. Um, because of all of the suspicious activity in their house. Um, but it turns out their parents are actually spies. Yep. Which is a plot hole because no spy couple <laughs> has five children. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a comedy, so shut up. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> They're very well balanced spies, okay? Yeah. They have a great work, work life, life balance. balance. <laughs> <laughs> um and the youngest youngest boy? He maybe the, the, only, the boy. only boy. Yes. Yes. One boy, three girls. Um, four girls. We just decided it was five. Yep. <laughs> Um, he is, like, this very moody, like, melodramatic character who decides that, like, to confront his parents, he's going to force them to star in a radio play that he's written about (laughs) Edgar Allan Poe. Yep. And he's, yeah, (laughs) his new obsession. Yes. So he isn't, that's where we got all the post stuff in. Like, Mm -hmm. the rest of the story has nothing to do with that. No. That was just, like, a concept that we had set out to work with early on, and we didn't let it die. Yeah. We just used it in a way that I wasn't expecting to. Yeah. Yeah. The title makes as much, about as much sense as Superheroes of the Galaxy (laughs) Theater. (laughs) Maybe we're not great at titles. Maybe that's our problem. (laughs) Also, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I've been involved with that has not involved a play within a play that that I've worked on writing. Because Superheroes has a play within a play. Uh Poe has a play within a play. Yes. Shahrazad has a play within a play. Sort of. I think it counts. Yes. There's a a sub-storyline. Yeah. There's a lot of them. I think that's, like, Anything we've thing. ever written that isn't a play within a play. The thing is, that's an easier way to get more characters with more lines. That's true. It's, it's just that makes it simpler. That way you don't have the leads that are pulling the show. You have each individual play with, like, the play within a play has a lead that is mm-hmm. not the lead of the play. Yes. Or something like that. Which is super helpful when you're working with a big group, mm-hmm. which is typically what we were doing not just with uncertainty, but also the organization where Shannon wrote a lot of her stuff yeah. with originally. Mm-hmm. I also think, well, we wrote 
So your escape is a scene that you wrote for Lost Things. Mm-hmm. It's very play within a play, yes. obviously. Um, but that's the conceit of it. And then, but I would argue we we wrote a piece together. I guess our second piece together, Never as Always, mm-hmm. which was not really play within a play. No. No, so and it really wasn't. One. It was one of the few things about that whole thing that wasn't like, well, there, we had a couple of different pieces that were like theater related. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and it, that one wasn't as yeah. much. Um, it wasn't as much. And I would say it was the most somber tone that we struck. Yeah. We had a couple other pieces that were leaning that way. Yeah. But this one really like took it home. Um, and it was really hard, and we were super sad, and that's why we write comedy now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, life is sad enough. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah. I mean... Ugh. Who knows? I think, um... Yeah, Poe definitely could have benefited from some time, but I think it was super fun, and I liked how many people we got on stage and I liked the idea that the oldest sister in this family is like trying to be cool at her college like radio station and she keeps getting bothered by her siblings yeah but no, they, I stand by the characters. The characters were really yes, fun. But they suck her in every yeah. time. Like at first she's like absolutely not and then all of a sudden it's like oh my gosh um, the they little kids have done it to her again. Yep. It had a, a, like a cheaper by the dozen feel to it. Yeah. Which was something I we might have even set out to accomplish. Like we might have. It was one of our thoughts. Even yeah. used that as like a frame of reference for the shenanigans that the kids would get into. Yeah. It was a fun one. Yeah. Are you working on anything now? Short answer, no. <laughs> Long answer, also no. Um, <laughs> no. Long I, answer, why would I ask you uh, that? <laughs> no, I, there, I've got a couple of things. I think, I don't know. I think that people who ever write always have a few things that are like mulling that you just can't figure out how to make it work. I've, yeah. got, I've had this one that I've been wanting to write and I actually had fully intended to finish it and submit it to the Bardstown's um, Kentucky, yeah, Kentucky, yeah, which I was going to submit escape, and then the deadline passed twice, and I missed <laughs> it. So, doing a great job. Um, literally, mm-hmm. I was stuck on writing the author's bio you're supposed to put on it. Oh, I didn't, really? I could not figure out what to say, so I just didn't submit it. Shannon is... I was is, so mad. Um, <laughs> Problem. Problem. She, uh, oh I'm terrible at those, yeah. I just didn't want, like, I don't even want to put my name, like, I don't put my name on it, but, like, Nobody cares about me, and I, I'm Come I'm up with good. a pen name. Yeah, I could do that. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. I let my... Um, <laughs> this is so dumb. I... <laughs> so, I teach playwriting often, and uh, I always give my kids the option to write under a pen name, especially if they've written something that's particularly personal to them mm. because who's coming to watch their performance of their piece their parents yeah. and 
What do you not want your parents to do when you're 15? Read your diary. What is playwriting class? Me making you write your diary yeah, and uh-huh. read it out Take loud. your journal, turn it into a play. <laughs> do it. So literally, like, I always give them the option to write in your pen name, and they always say yes because they're just so excited to make one up. The only one that I can come up with off the top of my head that I remember someone using was Mickey Klondike. Oh, my word. But they're always dumb. Um, but, yeah, like. I could do that. Next year. I'll, I'll submit it next year. Yes. If there is a next Under year your pen for name. the Tentucky, oh, I will gosh. submit it. But yeah, if okay. there is a next year's where you could have fully <laughs> stopped. <laughs> if that happens. If we all survive the holidays. Um, yeah, that's going to be weird. No, the thing that I've had like rolling around in my head, and if anyone has any ideas for me, I'm down because I've been stuck. It's a couple that are going to watch their kid in, either, I think it has to be a talent show. Okay. Because what I've pictured, and I love this picture, it's one of those I have the moment, but yeah. I don't know what to do with it. It's like just three rows of parents sitting, and they're watching the audience like the audience is a talent show, uh-huh. which I always like um, when they're in an audience. Again, theater-related, whatever. It's fine. So the parents are scooting in late. They have to go do the excuse me, excuse me thing in the middle sure, row sure, sure. to get to their spots. And... What I see is different sets of parents pulling up cameras when their kid goes on stage. So, like, you hear the applause, new kid comes on stage, parent puts camera down, another parent lifts their camera. So that they're, no one's ever really paying any attention. Uh-huh. So either the parents are on their phones, or when their kid comes up, you've heard the applause, some new kid is coming up, those, that parent raises their camera. Uh-huh. So it's always screen. And I'm not really sure what the point of that is. But I just thought it was such a funny picture where it's like either the parent is like completely ignoring what's happening or they're on their camera and like whisper yelling at the other parents who are the only two who don't Mm -hmm. have their phones and they're talking to each other. They're mad at each other probably for being late um, and going, shh, microphone or whatever, like that kind of thing. I don't know. It was just a funny moment, but I can't figure out what to do with it. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, well, I'll give you the, um like big advice that uh, someone gave me when I was first starting to write stuff on my own which was you can't edit nothing yeah Um, and I was like oh yeah (laughs) makes a lot of sense (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) and she was like write something stupid yeah one sentence one vibe one character name will be something you like and then you can edit all the dumb stuff out mm-hmm. but you can't edit what doesn't Nothing. exist yeah so that was helpful to me um and I also think like sometimes I'll just start asking myself questions or more realistically um in my before times life, I would ask the kids questions. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, why are they late? What's their kid's talent? Mm-hmm. And those things usually will get them to start being like, their kid plays the cello. And, um, right. get some more information. Yeah. And that, I don't know, a little bit of world building can go a long way sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if someone true. has a better idea for Shannon's thing, please. I'm totally interested. I think it also doesn't help that I keep trying to write 
outside my knowledge base. Uh, like in that case, it's like I've got a bunch of parents watching their kids. I know more about the kids on that stage that doesn't exist than I do about the parents in that life. But at the same time, like think about all the parents that we've interacted with and like, I don't, I don't know about you, but I always felt like a little bit, um, like I was doing fake me with parents. Hmm, like, yeah. it's a little bit postured. It's a little bit like, I am very put together. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> and I'm sure that even though professional. I've been building this set with your children all day, I don't have like paint on my face or in my hair or anything. I'm sure I look super normal. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because um, a lot of times I think, especially in the early days, parents would see like my 19-year-old self and be like, are you sure you're cool to stay with 20 of our middle schoolers? And yeah. I was like, no. If, would you, do you want to stay with me? Trade? Yeah. So, yeah, it had to be, like, a little bit of an act. Right. But I think, like, off of the top of my head, and I know that you can do this, too, I can think of three, like, huge personality parents that I've worked with that you could absolutely stick in that play. Yeah, that's true. I think I also just get too attached to my characters that it's like I need them to, in general, it's like I want all the characters to be good guys. Ah. And that there's no conflict there if they're, if no, they're I, I have to find the flaws and I don't want to find the flaws. <laughs> I just want them to be like misunderstanding each other or something <laughs> silly like that. It's yeah. Like, oh. How funny. What a great Friends episode you've just written. <laughs> hey, Friends on the air for, for a long seasons. time. Uh-huh. How about you? Writing anything? Yes, and also no. Thank you for asking. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, and nothing I'm going to share. End. Um, no. I, mine is, um, a whole narcissistic exercise. <laughs> Which is just that I have had a lot of experiences with a certain type of um, I'll use the word boss, I guess, or like a certain type of leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been trying to make an amalgamation out of that. And I don't know. Um, experience some catharsis through telling that story fictionalized. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been really difficult. I do a lot of typing and deleting because I think, well, I know that I've come up with a good amalgamation for that person, but not for myself. Hmm. And I don't know how much of myself I'm willing to, like, use because it still feels really personal, I guess. And I think all writing is personal, and people can tell you, like, they're not drawing from real stuff that's happened to them or, like, they're real people that they know, but it's just not true. Yeah. Like... Everyone's taking a little bit of something from folks, and I also don't want to 
I don't want to write a story where there's a clear villain. Yeah. I think is part of my problem. And, like, that requires a good amount of self-reflection to tell a story, um, but to tell a story where the relationship doesn't work as opposed to there's a bad guy in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And as much as, like, I can point to different experiences that I've had with this type of, like, toxicity and say, like, I did everything I could. Yeah. Sometimes that's true, but sometimes, like, I messed up, too, and I let my emotions get the better of me, too, and, like, didn't have a lot of experience working and didn't know how to, like, set good boundaries. So... While I don't, like, blame myself for a lot of those experiences, I can definitely see how they're part of uh, the story. Yeah. And that's difficult to write. Yes. I think. But I've been really trying it for a while. Um, Because... As I teach young people and those young people become young adults, Mm -hmm. I see that pattern repeating for them and some of the folks in their own lives. So another thing that we both have done a lot of, or at least a fair amount, is kind of like teaching playwriting or um, having kids write things for a camp or whatever so what have your experiences been hyping other people's up to write um I think we talked a little bit about this in the teaching um topic but um I think letting the kids just have really weird ideas and letting it kind of simmer for a while is important especially if you have multiple days to work with them or like a really long like a full day camp or something like that or a full class like which is what usually you teach um because they'll come to the conclusion eventually when it's very very hard to write that maybe this isn't a good idea yes most of the time um sometimes you have to talk them out of it but um not immediately going well I don't know but have you thought about it just kind of like it's just kind of hard for them to then get excited about your idea. Let mm-hmm. them be excited about their idea first when you're working with kids, um, which is, I think, the only thing that either of us have done. I haven't worked... The only playwriting I've worked with with an adult is my mom, so... Well, yes, you know, you know, <laughs> and you. You know what I mean. But I just like, made a I very dumb face that was, that was quite a face. No, but, like, I have not <laughs> attempted to teach any adults oh. anything ever. I taught an adult acting class briefly. It was not the vibe for me. (laughs) Um, Adults have a lot of stuff that kids don't have. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, well, sometimes, and you can tell me how you feel, sometimes I feel like a little bit of a fraud when I'm teaching my playwriting classes. 
Yeah. Because I am saying stuff that I don't listen to. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm always, like, even just the thing I said to you about, like, you can't edit from nothing, like... I have bounced ideas around like a game of Pong in my head for ages <laughs> without writing them down. And I don't know, there's something a little bit comforting about being able to say like, I know this would work. Mm-hmm. It's a really great idea. Yeah. But never having to test that theory. <laughs> yep. It can just live as this like perfect concept in your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, whereas there are sometimes when I've really liked something and I've gone to write it and I'm like, oh, no, that's not what I thought it would be and have yeah. to like let it go. Um, I also think I know that I thrive under pressure and with a deadline. Yeah. So when I'm just doing things for myself because I want to or because I would like to, um, I don't keep myself disciplined as well as I do when you and Shannon agreed to do this thing and now it's due in October and it's September 18th, you idiot. Right. (laughs) Or like... Uh, hey, somebody literally is asking you to write this thing for them. Can you do it? Um, and this is this is when they need it. Yeah. Like, I can crank out 15 pages in two weeks if I have to for whatever random thing. But when I have uninterrupted time and I actually want to write, I will do anything else. Yeah. I'm like, you know what I haven't done in a while? Cleaned the baseboards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's part of the reason why the stay-at-home time was unproductive in that way. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got all this time. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to do it. Why, why would I do that? I don't have any outside push to do it. Yeah. And I, I, need, I, think I it's need the motivation. Really, really hard. Um, and you have to think about writing as a job in that yeah. way, I think. Where it's like, even if it sucks, even if you don't feel inspired, even if whatever, okay, I'm going to devote an hour every week start small (laughs) right to writing something towards this piece that I really want to write but I'm just having trouble and for me it's almost always that first hurdle yeah sit down and start and it gets better all of a sudden I'm like into it but I also think um I have, like, a little bit of an aesthetic that I want to create around writing. Like, I want to make sure I'm, like, in the right frame of mind. Uh, yeah, the, There's, the like, mood. a tea. Um, my, like, laptop is the right level of brightness. <laughs> that it's rainy. Mm-hmm. Rain does help. It's true. And it's, like, that's so stupid. <laughs> but it's hard. And I think... Um, I don't put up with that from my students a lot because we're on a deadline. Yeah. Like, 
if they're saying to me, like, I'm having trouble deciding what to write, I literally have, like, um, like, a bank of ideas where I'll start telling them, like, okay, what about this, what about that, and it's usually how we start class, like, um, I teach, like, 10-minute playwriting a lot, and so one of the first things we do in class is what can happen in 10 minutes, and they write it down, mm-hmm. and they'll tell me all of these different things, and you get everything as benign as, like, I can wake up and make my bed in 10 minutes to always, when I'm teaching high school-level courses, I can make a baby in 10 minutes. Nice. <laughs> um, so every and everything in between, yeah. right? So it's like, okay, yeah, remember when we did all of that? Which one of those did you write down? Which one of them did you, like, mm-hmm. 10 minutes? Why don't you tell me about it? And, like, I, from that experience where I had a kid who, like, absolutely did not know what she wanted to write about, she's the one that had written I can make a bed in 10 minutes, I was like, okay, um, who do we want the characters to be in the scene where you're making the bed? I was like, is it a little kid? They need help making the bed. Is it a couple? They're making the bed together. Is it someone making the bed by themselves? are the sheets and the pillows characters like what do we want and she wrote like a really gut-wrenching story about a couple making the bed together for the last time like they were breaking up and it happened in 10 minutes it was really beautiful it's great (laughs) (laughs) um but that was born out of me having eight weeks to teach this class by week three you have to have picked an idea right so it's like, uh, I don't have time for this. Yeah. So, like, let's go through, let's pick an idea and stick to it. Whereas, it, like, you or me will just take forever yes. to, like, decide this is an okay idea to sit in the rain and write about. Like, it's... Yes. I don't know, and I feel like so many things get thrown away because it's like, well, it's not it's not full. I don't have the complete idea. I'll just start writing it and then decide if it's a complete idea. Yeah, dummy. Dummy? Like, <laughs> you're not supposed to know how it goes from oh, start man. to finish before you even begin. Do as I say, not as I do. Dang oh, it. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm the biggest hypocrite. Um... <laughs> And I love my playwriting students. It's some, it's some of the most fun classes to teach because <laughs> they do get this version of me that is very, like, willing to be silly, but at the same time, like, pushing a deadline really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have had folks not make the deadline. That's not a huge deal. I always encourage them to just keep writing, but most of the time we're working towards a contest of some sort that has a specific deadline. If they miss it, it's not, like, the end of the world, but it's always, like, part of the class to submit. So it's, like, you know, if they don't do it... Right. (laughs) That sucks. Um, My favorites are the kids who start with a completed idea, though. Mm. Because it's never the story that they (laughs) intended to tell. Right. I had this kid, um, I'm going to call him Ethan, it's not his name, and I loved him. He would always, like, volunteer to read. He was so, like, cute and, like, um, outgoing, and he had this idea of, like, this 
really hippie 70s couple that he wanted to write about um, and like someone walks in on someone and they're cheating Mm -hmm. and he from jump like day one I was like does anyone know what they're going to write about at the end of that class period and he raised his hand he was like this is my idea these are the colors these are the names like he knew wow I was like I cool and he would never let me like when I was going around to help people he would never let me read it and so at the end of one class we're coming towards the end and I was like Ethan I want to read your piece next class period have it ready and he was like it's not ready it's not ready Mm -hmm. and I was like I I'm not the judge of the contest like I just want to read it right so I come in the next week and he's completely changed the concept and he has three-ish pages of a 10-page play written it was one of my favorites, though. I don't think he ever finished because he got started so late on it. But it was um, a depressed cow <laughs> who goes to therapy and the therapist is a goose. Oh, my gosh. And I was obsessed with it. His cow friend was like, all you do is eat hay all the time and it's making you high. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what? Uh, it was so funny and like also sad somehow and when I had the readers come and they were like reading the plays one of the guys was like there's nothing funnier to me than a cow sitting on a stool (laughs) I was like I agree yeah um good this is a really short play and I I Ethan you know who you are if you're out there I really hope you finished it um Because that's the second thing about these, just, like, I'm in and I'm out. Like, I never get to close the loop. Mm. So that sucks. Do you feel that way when you do camp? Like, it's one day or it's one week, and then they don't. Yeah. You never see them again. Right. Yeah, it's very weird. I feel like there's a lot of students who, like, they get into it, and then they're like, well, this isn't quite what I want to do right now, or I'm going to try dance instead or something. And then you, like, yeah, don't, don't get to work anymore with them, which do that that's great try stuff but it is kind of odd like oh yeah I wonder what happened to that that piece that I thought was really cool um no I my one camp that I taught was mostly pretty young um we wound up just like making like storybooks it was pretty much um how how much of a story could we come up with in yeah a week of gosh I think it was three or four hour like it was crazy those camps were so long I was so tired because it's just really there's nice. only so much writing you can do in a day like yes. with that age group I mean I think they were like my usual 8 to like 12 kids like age and it's just you get sick of it and there's only so many different activities you can do with writing specifically like oh let's come up with another character or let's develop the space they're in I don't yeah. know um yeah, so... One that I started using, <laughs> and it's, like, a little bit of a cop-out, but if you do... Because sometimes they aren't ready to write, which mm-hmm. is fine, or they're just, like, sick of it. Like, the, you're, you're wrapping up the day, and they just, like, don't have the capacity. Yeah. Um... So we do this a lot with, like, setting the mood of your play. We'll mm-hmm. start talking about that. And then I just, like, play music for them that has descriptive in- imagery of, like, a place. Yeah. And 
creating this playlist was difficult, but maybe I'll, like, link it in our Spotify uh, show notes or whatever if someone wants to listen to it, because you're dealing with a lot of different schools that I teach at that have different, like, what's okay and what's not okay. Um, So for the most part, the songs have to be, like, pretty clean. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for different genres of music because you have kids who, even if you're, like, indie folk band has a great song about describing a place, they, like, think it's too lame to really listen and, like, get the vibe. So you have to have, like, a wide genre. And then... um, Every song just has to have, like, a lot of descriptive imagery of place in it. So it took a long time to get the playlist together. But I just have them, like, sit, and we all listen to the music, and I just have them write down words that they feel like describe their story. Um, The setting, the characters, whatever. And it's a good way to just like stop writing Mm -hmm. because I agree like the longest class that I teach for playwriting is 90 minutes which isn't a terribly long time but if I just made them sit down and write one thing the whole time that's really tough um so that's a good breakout and then I also have implemented like teaching how to get feedback mm, which is something yeah. I didn't do before That's a good idea. Um, but I realized it was necessary when I had just like one rogue student who everyone else would be like oh my gosh I really like your piece and I never really thought about it because I was like okay do we have any comments for Shannon's piece and everyone would be like it's good I liked it yeah. I liked this character and I never really thought like oh they're not being critical of each other because I was all about, like, oh, they're all so nice to each other. Right. But then I had one girl who did not like someone's piece and made it very clear that she thought it was dumb. And I was like, ooh, I should be explaining to them how to better. And so now I make them, like, something positive, mm-hmm. something you think could be better, a question that you have, and this is how we're going to package it. And I also make them, I don't let them give suggestions because I realized that was the trap we were falling into a lot. Hmm. Where it was like, you've written something I, I remember love it seeing so that in your class, much. Yeah. yeah, but what if you did this and what if you did that? And it's like, that's not what they're writing. Right. You write that. This is not yours. Yeah. And that's not feedback, which I think that's really hard. When you're 10 and you hear something you like and you're like, oh my gosh, and what if it had a dragon? <laughs> right. Yeah. I can it's fix like, it. I can make it cooler. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it helped me too, like, for when I went to give them feedback because they're used to hearing what isn't working. Hmm. So, I don't know kind of building up their confidence to continue working at something that wasn't working yet. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, learning how to take well-constructed criticism, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not jerk criticism. Learning how to take jerk criticism is what you do in college. (laughs) (laughs) And here's the thing. For all of you college uh, students who are taking your first creative writing class... (laughs) 
this is a great phrase. My brother taught me this, and I believe in it so wholeheartedly now. And it's literally, it's not even a phrase, it's one word. It's just, okay. Like, (laughs) literally... It's not agreeing. It's not disagreeing. It's not thank you for your feedback, which is a little bit, like, passe. Like, Uh when someone is being a jerk to you, be it your stupid professor who talks about the one time they were published the entire class or the guy in your creative writing class who thinks Ernest Hemingway is the best writer of the generation literally like telling you that it would be a lot simpler if you uh, took out all of your description and Ernest Hemingway wrote the best short story with just six words and whatever dumb stuff he has to say literally don't get into argument with this person because who cares Mm -hmm. okay changed my life (laughs) also makes a lot of interactions just a lot shorter which is nice yes there there are some folks worth fighting with and there are some folks who don't deserve it <laughs> so, too tired okay. yeah too tired. which i feel like maybe leads us to the little bit of a note section of this our wrap-up which is just like what kind of stories do you wish people were writing more of or, like, what do you wish you saw more? Not Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> I don't know. I think... I guess I'll just specifically speak to, like, the classes that I've gone to, like, to, quote, help you with. You've mm-hmm. taught more of these than I have. But And the, the camps and stuff. And young people have seen writing stuff. Um, I've seen a lot of young people try and make the story more complicated than it needs to be. Mm. Um, So this isn't really something that I necessarily feel like there isn't enough of, but um, more of a starter suggestion. Simplify your story. Just because it sounds like it could be cool, we've said this before too, doesn't mean that you're the one who needs to do it. Mm. Um, And don't try and encompass every problem you see in the world in 10 minutes. Mm. (laughs) Like, if you want to write about a problem you see, which is sometimes a good place to start, pick one. (laughs) Or pick one topic. Or just start with something smaller. Mm -hmm. And if you can work more in, or if it happens to work for you, do it. But there are very few Tolkien's in the world. (laughs) (laughs) And don't try and We'll try and jump straight into that. Because um, then you'll just wind up frustrated with, why can't I fit all of this in here? Or why don't all my characters work? Just start simple, I think. Yeah. And I think you should be able to explain your story to me in one or two sentences. Mm. And if it's taking you longer than that, then I think you don't have as strong of an idea as you think you do. Right. Because you have to over-explain for me to get to the point. You can explain a very complex story and a few sentences. I mean, even a Tolkien story, you can boil down and Uh be like, this is the gist. Yep. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think for kids, one thing I see them do a lot, and this is our fault as adults, so um, I'm just going to put that out there, 
is that they feel like they have to write um, outside of their age group. Hmm. Like, they don't think anyone's going to care about a story about a 12-year-old. That's a good point. And um, one thing that I always try to encourage is, like, why would you write about all of these adult characters when every time I bring two adults writing about kids, you say that's not how we sound? Mm. And I agree, it isn't how you sound because I've spent so much time with kids and they never are saying things that adults are writing for them to say. Like, yeah. um, my students love to bring up to me that I brought them a script one time where they said craptastic. Mm. And no kid has ever said that. No, no. kid is going to say that. Except for all of my students now as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so good. But, like, adults try to write for kids all the time, and kids try to write for adults all the time, and it's like, stay, why, not that you can't, or that it's not interesting to think about the adult world through a child's eyes. It can be. But I want to know what you and your friends are really sounding and going through. So that's always kind of important to me. And I think um, the other thing that I would like to see more of personally, and it's because this is the kind of stuff that I loved as a kid, and it's the kind of stuff that I love now, um, is more stories about I'm going to say female friendships but just in general like friendship I think Hmm. Um, it's a relationship that we don't explore a lot in storytelling Yeah. I mean we're very much into like it's a one room family drama I love those don't stop writing those if that's your jam (laughs) or it's like a love thing But some of my favorite stories when I was a kid was, like, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, Little Women. Like, I loved that stuff because I felt like those were the relationships I was invested in when I was a kid anyway. Like, I wasn't super invested in some sort of romantic relationship. And a one-room family drama, for me, was, like, oh no, those people are so sad. <laughs> are they okay? And I didn't, oh, I just hit this phone. I didn't get it. Yeah. Because, like, that was just not my world. So, yeah, I think, and even now as an adult, um, I still really like, like, a, I'm going to use the term, like, a buddy cop movie about about women like I loved Bridesmaids that was a really fun movie for me to watch because it's like yeah the girl's getting married my Rudolph's character is getting married but the story is so much more about like the two of them and what can happen when you feel like your friend is outgrowing you. Yeah. Wrapped in a comedy and, like, a lot of stupid jokes. I don't know. I really like those kinds of stories, and I think they can be really interesting. 
Um, so whenever any of my students is anywhere close to writing a friendship story instead of a romance or like some sort of family drama, I get really excited. <laughs> And for adults, maybe just stop writing things that are all about the problems of middle-aged white guys. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Not that they don't have problems. We've all seen Death of a Salesman. It's just that, like, we get it. Yeah. We understand that character really well now. So if you would maybe want to hit me with something different... I would be ecstatic. But all of this is also why, and I will just uh, hype this show till the day I die, but The Wolves is one of the best uh, pieces of playwriting of the past five years. It's because it's young women with a very clear goal... Um, and that goal gets thwarted somehow. And how many times have we ever watched a story that is that? Yeah. So few. I mean, I've watched so many stories of, like, men working together to accomplish a goal that gets thwarted. Um, I mean, starting with Lord of the Flies when I was in 10th grade English class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, you know, ending with, like, Wolf of Wall Street. Right. (laughs) That it's, like, I I don't know, I'm just, like, kind of over it. Make me miss you. Make me want absence makes the heart grow fonder. Right. (laughs) Do you have a favorite play? That's a really annoying question, and I do apologize. Do you have a favorite play right now? Is that a better question? <laughs> I don't know. Um, or a play recommendation, maybe, is a better way to ask you? I don't know. My, the, the thing that comes to mind immediately, and it's a very short one, but I, I loved The Ugly Duckling by A.A. Milne, which I didn't know about until that was a we good did one. it. But it was it's, super cute. It was one I, first of all, did not know that the writer of Winnie the Pooh also did other things, and I'm so glad he did. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's just, I, I loved that one. It's so silly. It's it's just one of those that just makes you happy. And um, I think I think it's really cool when you can bring a bunch of people together and they can all just genuinely laugh mm-hmm. um, without it being at anybody's real expense. That's that's always a, a really beautiful thing. I think that we similarly a little bit accomplished that um, with Much Ado Out West mm-hmm. at this particular establishment last year, that it was, we weren't laughing at the expense of anyone. It wasn't anything you had to feel Bad weird about, or uncomfortable yeah. about later. And we just all got to have a really nice time. Um, and there's there's room for seriousness. There's room for uh, all of that is crucial, but just don't be quite as serious about it. Like just every once in a while, it's just nice to take a break. Yeah, yeah. I think 
people are looking for different things out of out of a theatrical experience and I definitely think that this idea that like all comedy has to be super edgy is yeah tired yeah um and not that like it can't make a point or it can't be edgy but I don't think um light-hearted comedy is any less than Right. I think that some people consider that to be dated. I mean, there was a play that I read pretty recently that is, I mean, it's a silly, feels a little bit 50s in its gender norms and all the stuff. But it's just pure, like, people acting ridiculous and behaving irresponsibly and like a bunch of goobers, but Mm -hmm. it's fun. Yeah. And yeah, okay, so it's not gonna change the world but that doesn't mean that it's not still fun today just as much as it was when it came out yeah I would definitely agree with that um (laughs) and I want to just again say that I agree because my play suggestions are both sad (laughs) Hey, balance. <laughs> balance. Um, but it's also accurate. Well, and one, it is sad, but it has a definite, like, upswing to it in a way. Um, and truly funny at parts. Um, and it's actually a one-woman play. Um, and it's called Accidentally Brave. I know the author's first name is Maddie. Her last name is going to escape me right now, but she uh, was one of the characters in the, like, puppet land of Mr. Rogers. Oh, my gosh. Um, But her play is uh, just about going through this really hard time in her life and how she didn't think that she would have the ability to do some of the things that she did during that time and how like things got better it's really funny it's really sad I had been someone had recommended it to me like four times so I finally ordered it I am a crazy person I literally filmed myself reading it out loud and like sobbing through parts it's really good I am a sociopath. (laughs) Um, And then the other one that I really like right now um, is by Paula Vogel, who's one of my, personally, my favorite playwrights. Um, And it's Indecent, and it is uh, partially based on a true story um, about this group of Jews who put on... Um, a play that deals with some risky themes for the time period, which is, um, you know, Nazi occupation of Germany. They come to America to put this play on. At first it's going really well, and then things start to go really south um, in no small part because of who they are. And um, it's interlaced with music, Uh, which I love. There's, like, a lot of fiddle playing in it. I'm very excited about. And then also, um, 
the opening is really beautiful. That they filmed it. You can watch it. I, I'm not sure where, but just Google it. You'll find it. But um, in the opening, there's this narrator character, and he's like, "This woman is gonna play all of the mamas, and this woman is gonna play all of the babies, and this man is gonna play all of the papas." And I just something like got me just about like. I don't know, I felt like I was watching people I knew, like my family, my ancestors, like, there's just something very grounded about, even though everyone was playing ten different characters, it felt like you were watching a story about your family or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Play within a play, though. Yeah. <laughs> huh. It's a thing. Love Paula Vogel. You should check out some of her stuff, just in general. Um, and I think that we both have really loved, um, and I'm gonna blink on the name, but you're you're gonna know it. I feel really confident. The Giving Tree guy has written so many plays. Shel Silverstein. Shel Silverstein. Yeah, he did it some some one um, one scenes or one acts. Yeah, type stuff. he has a whole book of one acts, and they're mm-hmm. all really good. Very funny. Um, Cannot recommend for all ages, but uh, very yes. funny. You would think because he's the giving tree guy, but do they not give that book to your child. They are not for all ages, nope. um, but they're all really good funny. and funny and sad, and he kind of runs the gamut. Mm-hmm. He's a good playwright. Okay, I think yeah. we've done it. I think so. What do we want people to tell us this week? Advice for your play. Advice for my play, please. Um, Send us something you've been working on. Maybe, yeah, maybe we'll have an idea something for you. you're stuck on. Yeah, that'd be fun. So if you um, have some advice for Shannon's talent show play, (laughs) or maybe some advice for the title, apparently we're bad at that. Right, yeah. Um, Or you want to send us something you're writing, you can do that um, at our email address. It's uncertaintheater at gmail.com. That's U-N-C-E-R-T-A-I-N-T-H-E-A-T-R-E at gmail.com. Um, we got our first phone call this week. We did. They hung up on us. Because we didn't answer. Because we told you we weren't going to answer. We're not going to answer. <laughs> so if you're waiting for us to answer, that was silly. Um, but I have tested it. You can call us or text us to this number. Um, we'll get it and be very excited to hear from you. It's 502 I think that's Sparking it. Parking lot's getting crowded, yeah. which is rare for us. So. And I might be getting sunburned, yeah. so it seems like time, a good time, time to, to call go. it. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I do this to you all the time, and I'm sincerely sorry. No, it's great. I can cut this part. That's what I usually do. Okay, and then great. I make my sound sound like I know what I'm talking about. So it's great. Good. It's super okay, cool. Great. Uh,